Hello and welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast and welcome back for another end of month podcast with our editorial team. So I am Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and I'm joined by Lois Valley, Chief Reporter. Maria Nichols, Features Editor. Yeah, my name is Mohamed Moussatoui, Senior Reporter. <clears throat> and I'm Dallas McQuaid, Investment Reporter. Okay, awesome. So um May has wrapped up quite nicely. We were we had quite a busy May uh, with uh, money marketing interactive leads, which went very well. Um, and we're looking forward to money marketing interactive London. So um, everyone, look out for uh, registration for that coming soon. Um, but I want to get more into what you guys covered during this month. So Lois, you covered our feature the cover feature for the main issue. So do you want to get a little bit more in depth on that? Yes. But before I do, I want to mention that much more importantly than our event, it was also my birthday in May. That is true. Yeah. Well, actually, May was my birthday. So (laughs) the whole of May, the whole of May. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's over now. So anyway, Um, yeah, my cover feature was on big tech. So companies like Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Technically, they're big data companies, but everyone sort of wraps them up as big tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what sort of effect they might have if they make a big play in financial services. Specifically, I was looking at whether they were going to sort of look into financial advice. Mm-hmm. Um, the conclusion was very unlikely that they're going to offer sort of face to face financial advice ever. So advisors who do financial planning, mm-hmm. that they're probably not going to impinge on that space but they can do a lot in financial services that might shake up the sector a bit. Um, And what I found most interesting was actually some of the stuff that financial services companies can learn from big tech companies. So um, I started off the feature, well, I sort of did it, I I did a monster theme, like a horror theme, because I love horror films. Um, And if you've seen the cover, it's one of the best things I've ever been involved in. And that's not sad because it was really good. Um, And so I sort of started off, I suppose I was making the comparison with big tech companies being sort of monsters lurking in the shadows. But it's actually certainly in the shorter term, it's not they're not really something to fear because they they probably aren't going to make massive play in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, yeah, they may in the future. So they are something to look out for and be aware of. But it's more what financial services companies can learn from them. Like they're really good at marketing. They're really good at customer data. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things, which I'm not going to go into now because you can go and read the feature and look at the cover and admire it. Yeah. But um, no, it was a really interesting feature to write. I really enjoyed it. Um, not least because I got to write about horror films. <laughs> It was a great read. Um, I liked the kind of weaving in and making it seem like it was some uh, horror theme, Um, because I think when it comes to tech, people get quite um, fearful and a bit like dystopian about it. But I I don't know why that is. Uh, Yeah, well, there was there's another thing. And that's that these big tech companies are making big um, investments in AI, artificial intelligence. Right. Which could be something to fear who knows but in the short term at least it can definitely help take some of the heavy lifting out of the financial advice process and I think 
some advice firms are using it already. Things like ChatGPT to write suitability reports, sort of cutting out on some of the admin tasks that mm -hmm. they don't necessarily need to be doing because it can just be done by a machine. Um, that, that is true. Yeah. But I, I I recently heard something that it wasn't to do with uh financial advice, but it was to do with law and how um, this lawyer had basically used ChatGPT um, to defending someone in quite a plain um, case. But mm -hmm. he asked ChatGPT to basically write something that he would submit to the judge. And ChatGPT basically just made up Kate, like uh, prior case law, like like other cases that have happened, but they weren't real. So then the oh. judge was like, "I'm throwing this out of court." This but he been... didn't check it. I mean, you yeah, have to check he didn't check cause... over it. <laughs> and ridiculous. he, but he said he he the proof that he submitted was him writing to ChatGPT and asking, "Is this actual case law? Has this happened in the past?" And ChatGPT was like, "Yes." Oh, <laughs> in my <laughs> in my fairy tale land, it has. Uh, so. As much as it is useful, do double check. Um, it is not foolproof. Yes, for sure. do not take it as gospel. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone um, the other day and he said he knows a software engineer who's quite got sort of quite software engineering traits, you know, not necessarily the most social, personable. Well, I don't know. That's a bit unfair, but um, and it's a massive generalization. But yes, mm -hmm. not not necessarily that sociable. And he was using ChatGPT to make himself sound more human when he had to have <laughs> difficult conversations with colleagues at work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like completely the opposite of what you'd expect. But I can imagine fine. it's probably it might be useful for like neuro spicy people, right? Because they're able to use it to. Uh, carry on conversations in a way that uh, other people would perceive as quote unquote normal. Um, yeah. So it might be helpful in those. Definitely. Things. One more thing to, sorry, I'll come off AI in a minute, but yeah. um, one more thing was my argument is often, well, chat GPT isn't very creative. So I don't feel under threat because my writing is way better. Someone pointed out to me that you can just, program it so it writes in your style yeah <laughs> i was like oh yeah okay. if, you feed, <laughs> if you feed it enough of examples of your style it'll be able to emulate you which is also terrifying um but again as human beings we change and evolve so yeah. quickly that i don't think it would be able to keep up with your style as it evolves throughout the years so don't worry okay. not yet anyway yeah anyway. Uh, is there anything else in may that you wanted to talk about actually yes because yeah. i attended a completely different topic i attended a really good event held by the institute for financial well-being towards mm -hmm. the end of may and one thing i found particularly interesting was um a couple of the speakers were talking about um so thomas mather from agon has done some research he's a um i think he's a behavioral psychologist or something mm -hmm. um I don't know if that's ex his exact job title, but something around behavioural stuff, behavioural science. And he mm -hmm. was talking about um, the fact that people find it inherently difficult to save because they are disconnected from their future selves. Yeah. I.e., when you apparently when you think about yourself, a different part of the brain lights up 
for want mm-hmm. of a better term, than if you think about a stranger. And the part of the brain that lights up when you think about your future, so yourself in the future, is the same part of the brain that lights up if you think about a stranger. So Chris Budd, I think I said that right. Um, Chris Budd, who's like a financial well-being guru and works for numerous firms. Um, money marketing columnist. Yes, and a money marketing columnist. <laughs> um, he said um, that if you're asking people to save, to put away money for their future self, you're basically asking them to give money to a stranger. Sure. So it's very difficult to, I, I think it's true of most people naturally. Yeah you don't think of your future self as as yourself. So it's it's really interesting. I love the psychology stuff. My alternative career path was going to be criminal psychologist. So uh, a bit yeah. different from financial well-being or financial psychology. But in the heyday of C- uh, CSI, I was going to be a for- forensic scientist. Um, mm. But that because of CSI, that field was very like, oversaturated at that point so yeah I looked at degrees there and I was I was like "Mm, I'll go with English literature yeah yeah (laughs) um no but I think that is so interesting thinking thinking about it and I have always had a difficult time kind of thinking about my future self not just when it comes to saving money but like doing stuff for myself that I know is good for example should I lie in bed after work or should I take a 20 minute walk because it's good for my health I don't care about like Kim when she's 40 and like dealing with like other health situations that might have been helped if I just did a simple 20 minute walk every single day Um, so I'm very much live in the moment I mean it's good in some ways but I think there's a balance some people are too focused on their future. I was talking to my mum about it the other day. She was like, it is a balance, though, because if you're too focused on your current self, you're not going to be saving money, for example, for your future. But also, if you're thinking too much about the future and just putting all your money into that, then you're not enjoying the present. So it's definitely yeah, a balance. But there is, it's, it's a real balancing act. Uh, maybe they should just give us all free therapy and financial education. Yeah, um, I think that that's a whole other kind of worms that we're maybe not going to open right now. <laughs> uh, OK, great. Um, so what about you, Darius? What did you cover in me that stood out for you? Um, I um, One interview I had um, with, um, uh, let me just get his name right, sorry, uh, with um, uh, Dominic Scriven, uh, who's mm-hmm. um, chairperson of Dragon Capital and a uh, Dominic's got an OBE, OBE as well, and they're a fund manager in Vietnam. Uh, oh, yeah, and um, it was just uh, it was just sort of interesting how um, he, he he said I can we can bring Vietnam to the UK by um, independent financial advisors. Uh, it's it just busy. Yeah, I just found it quite interesting talking to because he's trying to um, you know get in contact with uh, UK RFA market and um, Hargreaves Lansdowne advisors in particular to try to um, you know extend his reach his market to the to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, he's it, it, just sort of explaining how uh Vietnam is currently it's not an emerging market it's a frontier market and that's like the stage before EM mm-hmm. and he says because that advisor sort of uh immediately put it in a their funds in a high risk category so mm-hmm. he says in order for sort of um you to engage and get advisors to sort of trust them more they Vietnam needs to hit that sort of EM sort of uh status at level mm-hmm. um 
and and see that that's what they're, they're, they're you know they're um they're sort of going for um and and also one thing that I thought I'm quite interested in is that they actually uh, started to um uh try to communicate communicate with in contact with advisors after RDR was implemented in the UK mm-hmm. so he said for 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 um, for Dragon Capital didn't really have much of an RDR didn't actually have much of an impact because once their sort of access UK had already been implemented so they you know the rules have always been there so they'd never really experienced like before and after mm-hmm. so it's a sort of yeah it's a sort of everyday life room sort of thing for so but yeah I thought that was it's quite interesting how to you know plan to um uh you know uh, bring these uh, Vietnamese funds for the UK via RFAs and so forth but yeah I, I just found it interesting and also I've always I did my dissertation on the Vietnam War at a university so I've always found Vietnam quite um, quite an interesting country history wise anyway so yeah, yeah that, that that probably played a part in it why I've I've picked on this particular story, but yeah, and no, I, I just thought it was, it was quite interesting how, um, you know, these things go in, in, into, going into the, into a fund manager. Yeah. I find it interesting that like a lot more, I think we're seeing a lot more countries being added to, um, different funds. Um, people are kind of looking elsewhere, not going for the typical, funds to invest in um which i think i'd never thought about vietnam or southeast asia really Mm. um same with like other parts of the world you know africa or um south america but i'm Mm. sure there's like so much potential in all of those um regions that we're just not tapping into quite yet and you probably want to be at like you're saying frontier you want to be in a new frontier Um, Mm -hmm. it sounds exciting and cool Um, but yeah is there anything else that you covered in May that stood out for you Um, yeah I would say one uh, one topic that seems to be coming up um, a lot is uh, ESG Um, Mm -hmm. and I would say when I um, went to uh, Timelines Advisor 3.0 Change and Agent Conference uh, this month um, yeah one of the uh, the, the talks I listened to were sort of, you know, revolve around ESG, and uh, I've heard before, you know, enough times before that people think ESG is like um, a very broad sort of um, sort of acronym to use for the industry, like because so much sort of falls under if it is it's hard sort of pin it down. But um, yeah, in Net Purpose Chief Executive and Founder. Uh, Samantha Duncan, she said that the, you know, the vast majority of consumers think at least that one aspect of ESG is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she said around 94% of consumers believe one part is uh, uh, worthwhile. Um, and um, and then she also just used things just to clear some things up about ESG that um, um, that ESG actually sort of measures financial risk and not really sustainability. And it's only okay. about past year that people have really started to, to realise that. But yeah, I would I definitely find um, ESG reporting quite interesting so far. Yeah, there's a lot to it. I'm sure it's, isn't it quite hard now to find a fund that doesn't have some level of ESG, especially mm-hmm. if you take into consideration the G, which is governance. Yeah. What company is going to say, oh no, we don't have good governance? We just—it's just a free for all out here. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite interesting. If you ask your, if an advisor asks their clients, "Do you want ESG?" and they say no, 
I imagine it's actually quite hard to find a fund that doesn't have any ESG considerations. So true. Mm. Um, so what about you, Maria? What stood out for you in May? We're talking about big topics. I know ESG is something that keeps coming up, but there's two things that everyone wants to talk about um, <gasps> at the moment. Consumer duty, obviously. Yep. Um, but we have We're getting close. Up. We're getting <laughs> close, but I'm not going to talk about it today because I feel like I'm a bit bored of it. Should I say that? I don't know. There's a <laughs> well, lot, Maria, there's that's a not very consumer duty of you. <laughs> there's a there's a meme going around on Twitter. Oh yeah. That's, you know you know Peep Show. Yeah. I think he says uh, that's not very that wasn't very Christmassy of you or something. He and does, they changed yeah. it to consumer duty. That oh, wasn't very consumer oh. duty of you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to uh, I think so <laughs> many people have been talking about it that now everyone's like you you get it right. You, yeah, you have to have it. Yeah. But I think we still see reports that's like 80% of people are not prepared. And so, <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, wow. We are in June now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Just one month away. <laughs> yeah. The clock is ticking. I think the difficulty from my point of view is um, finding new angles, you know? Because mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot that's been said. So I'm not going to talk about consumer duty today, but... I'm going to talk about chat, chat GPT, which I know we've touched on already, but I just think yeah. it's so fascinating. And we are actually getting some quite different angles from contributors. So, um, yeah, it's a good topic and, and a couple of pieces that I've, I've pulled out from May. Um, so, first of all, Gillian Hepburn from Schroeder, she wrote a piece for us online um, and she basically typed in to chat GPT what its opinion on the value of advice was mm. um, and it was just quite a positive piece overall she was really impressed by the answer and kind of the aspects um, that chat GPT pulled out in terms of considerations and, um, and what makes advice valuable um, mm. so that's quite interesting from that side of things and then in the mag in May's mag we had Clive Waller and he his piece is a bit more scathing should I say um not necessarily about chat GBT but laying into advisors really that are kind of burying their head in the sands on this okay. and I get it I'm such a technophobe and <laughs> I'll put my hands up and admit I'm useless with technology and all of this I mean you know we were saying earlier there's there's risk to journalism and maybe I'm kind of burying my head in the sand as well but I think I think when you when you say that I think what you mean is that you haven't found a way for it to work for you yet so once it's introduced that way yeah I used it to write an article the other day um just to find some research because I think that's quite an interesting um use for it Mm. in kind of like a google capacity and it will it will send you to places that you might not have thought about in terms of researching something mm-hmm. um but what was interesting from that was that it sent me to some fca research but the date was wrong on it so yeah so i checked it but yeah i think i read something that um the information they use is like from two years ago is that right yeah sure it's capped at 2021 um, right it is still technically learning but it's it stopped at 2021 mm. and then i think is it bard the uh yeah the google one mm-hmm. and that's a bit more up to date isn't it with the i think it might like troll the internet while you're asking for it i mean Google, like, yeah. Google. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, yeah, no, that that kind of thing's interesting. But um, no, Clive Waller's piece is is worth a read in the magazine. Um, he's 
I thought it was quite interesting that he said there's evidence smaller firms are happy with their current profitability and cohort of boomer clients and they neither wish nor need to change. Um, and that was the kind of contingent that he was laying into really and just saying, you know, wake up to this. Um, yeah, he's always a good writer, Clive, so so worth a look. Um, and Alistair Cunningham, he did a piece for us as well on why he wouldn't be without ChatGPT. He's quite mm. an early adopter of it. He's quite techy. So that was really interesting to read from an advisor point of view and how he uses it in day-to-day business. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that was the main topic for me. But then elsewhere of note in the mag, Roz Altman, former pensions minister, she wrote a really nice piece on uh, when will women get the backing they deserve on pensions. Mm. Um, So I thought that was that was a very important. I think that was our second most read article of the month as well. Is it really? Oh, that's so good. That's so good to know. yeah, that's really encouraging. That's nice. Um, and yeah, that's it for May, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think May, we are still like feeling the, I don't know, repercussions, can I say, of, you know, chat GVT and what AI means and what it's going to mean for us moving forward and whether people should use it or not. Um, but, you know, it's always like hit and miss, I think. But I think if you think about it as a tool, it's always important to think about it that way. And then when it comes to consumer duty, maybe you can use ChatGPT to help you with that <laughs> if, if you're still scrambling to finish. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I actually edited a really interesting piece today from Saracen and Partners. Um, I think that's due to go live next week, just talking about how AI is going to transform the world beyond kind of, you know, the obvious points that we're talking about here and how it could be of really amazing use in things like healthcare and education and things like that. Mm. So yeah, it's scary. And I think if you think about it too long, it it all gets a little bit freaky. But um, at the same time, there's just, like I say, more and more new, nice, interesting angles coming out of this. So it's, it's, a, it's a really good topic. I'm enjoying that one. Yeah. Um, and Momadou, what about you? What did you cover in May? Uh, well, I mean, I covered so many stories, you know, but I think the yeah. one that um, stood out for me was the um, Aberdeen um, advisor, OS launch, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they announced um, last week here yeah, um, that um, they are planning to um, bring all their um, platform proposition. I mean, bring to one proposition, you know, okay. just to make it, yeah, just to make the process easier for, I mean, advisors. You know. I mean, I think uh, they've been facing um, kind of like complaints from advisors um, that, um, I mean, the service is poor, you know, and then with all this, all these platforms, you know, it's complicated and and uh, and kind of like making um, the life of advice is very difficult so it seems mm-hmm. uh, i mean they have listened and then i mean taking that you know on board so now mm-hmm. they're planning to bring all the platforms on the one 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 platform proposition called advisor os okay you know, so i thought um that was a very good i mean good story very timely and the, and the comment section i mean kind of like um was was saying something something similar you know the um i mean that's i mean um I mean, at long last, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has listened. I mean, yeah. to advisors, you know, to finally allow, or, or I mean, or do the right thing, you know. So, you know, so I think, yeah, I mean, that was one story. And then the other story was, um, I mean, the Vanguard, you know, I think we discussed um, Vanguard in the last, um, I mean, uh, podcast, you know. Yeah, did, we did. Uh, yes, and I did the cover, you know. So um, we went to the timeline uh, conference and the Vanguard boss was there, mm-hmm. I mean, Sean, Sean Haggerty, and he was, 
give me kind of like an explanation why that proposition, you know, uh, failed. You know? So, I mean, I thought, oh, okay. um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, basically the point he was saying that, I mean, was that, you know, I mean, those on the advice gap, uh, there's not kind of like a one size fits all. Right. Everybody. Yeah. They all have, I mean, different needs and, and, and kind yeah. of wants, you know, so, so that's something uh, they would take, um, on board, you know, I mean, for next time, hey, but if you come back again to the space, you know, so, you know, so I, I thought, some, uh, yeah, that was interesting. But I think it's amazing <laughs> that he um, took it head, head on and actually addressed it rather than just yeah. being like, we put out a statement, okay? Exactly. <laughs> That's the explanation, but actually giving a full on explanation and being like, look, we've learned from our mistakes and we hope that if we were to attempt it again, exactly. we can, you know, uh, put something better in place that isn't just a one size fits all kind of system. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And that's the point you said, you know, well, like, I mean, they came into the sector thinking that, I mean, they have the best idea, you know, they can just solve, mm -hmm. I mean, this issue, you know, so, I mean, just put it out there, you know. Yeah. But then it feels spectacular, you know, so now they said, okay, we have to land and, and they're passing on that information to i mean the fca you know mm -hmm. starting to kind of like uh, discuss finding ways to deal with uh with the advice gap you know because i think that's an issue that, i mean i mean that should be addressed you know there are many people who are kind of like missing out mm. on life-changing advice you know mm -hmm. because i mean i think the i mean the stat is like i mean nine percent of the population mm. you know have access to uh regulated advice you know so a large chunk of the population are kind of like missing on on, on We're just walking oh, yeah, exactly. around like headless chickens. Exactly. People don't know about pension, don't know how to manage their money and stuff like that. You know, so yeah. I always think about like if my if I hadn't worked parallel to financial services and knew about pensions and knew about you know insurance and different types of protection, I don't know whether people who are within my ecosystem would then in turn know anything about it uh, because I don't think they have like financial advisors within their ecosystem. So I think if you don't have anyone around yeah. you who might push you in that direction to take pay attention to those subjects, you just aren't aware and you don't care. Yeah. No, and then there's definitely. like um, known knowns, known unknowns and unknown no, exactly. unknowns. Exactly. So there's, there's probably a group of people who don't necessarily have access to financial advice, but they want it. But there's probably a much larger group of people who don't even consider looking for it. And so because I said, I mean, uh, Louis, they have no idea, you know, they have no idea, you know, no. there's something called, I mean, the FCA, the, the, you know, there's uh, the, there's a financial advice, P people just have basic knowledge, you know, about the bank, pension, that's, mm. if, if yeah. you start talking about SIP and start talking about, I mean, going into detail, they'll be like, what's that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a foreign language. <laughs> it's you know, it's so. kind of interesting, because I had a conversation with the head of communications at the FSCES, and she was kind of saying that, people aren't aware of them until yeah. they're in crisis. And I was kind of questioning whether, you know, that was a good model or not, but I guess you don't need to be aware of them until you require their assistance. Um, because they are, if you were to have a situation where um, like your bank collapsed or something, and then you wanted to claim compensation for that, I think if you were to Google, how do I get my money back? I think the FSCS will probably come straight up for you um, in that situation. So I guess 
in that way it works. But when it comes to stuff like information about pensions, there's such a vast array of um, topics and areas that you need to know about. So that that's kind of different. But yeah. Yeah. But people don't always need a hospital, but everyone knows a hospital is there. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Maybe slightly more urgent, but then if someone loses all their money, maybe it's not. I don't know. So maybe anyway. we also need to be targeting not just financial advisors and just talking to consumers as well. <laughs> and being maybe like, that's hey. an idea. But yeah, I'm sure I mean, Mike will be thrilled then... to hear that yeah. from the expert. <laughs> We're now also going to be trying to get in front of people who need financial advisors. We want to go D to C. Yeah. Oh no, I think that's a good idea. I mean, um, there's a communication gap, you know, between people and the sector, you know, and I think, I mean, that gap, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, someone tries to, I mean, fill that gap, you know, mm, so mm-hmm. that people are more aware. Definitely. Okay, so now we're in June, and similar to Lois, June is a very special month. Well, it's similar in the way that May was a special month for you, Lois. June is a special month for me because it is my birthday month. Yay! That Yay. I also share happy with Mamadou's exactly. son. So exactly. happy birthday to him too. And um, a special, yeah, and a special month for me too. And it yeah. I. I mean, I kind of dread so much, you know, because there's a very long list, you know, very shop, very long shopping list. Oh man, I this, I'm I so this, I different. <laughs> I literally like now. I'm just like, uh, if you want to wash my car for me, um, or buy me my skincare, I'm happy <laughs> with that. That is fine. That is all I need. Uh, oh well, but, oh, I mean, that's easy, Kim. I know. I mean, mine is the like old, this way. The I mean, older this you way, get, so I mean, that's. That's so pricey, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for having a little boy. You know, they want the expensive toys. What can I say? Um, but let's look at the June issue, which, Momadi, you wrote the cover feature for. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, um, I did the cover feature for June, and it's about um, um, long COVID, uh-huh. you know, and the... Uh, um, claim processing. I mean, with the sector. So basically, I was looking at, I mean, what is the sector doing for people who kind of like, um, I mean, are experiencing long COVID. Mm. Uh, bad news, I think. You know, I mean, for people suffering from long COVID, you know, because yeah, I mean, I it's it's very difficult to um, make a claim for long COVID. Mm. Is it because people can't necessarily prove that it is long COVID or it's any no, no, other no, no. element? No, 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 no. I mean, um, if you have an IP, I mean, it's mm-hmm. easy. You know, if you have an IP, which is oh right, income protection, income protection. Yeah, I mean, that's easy because I mean, without policy, if you don't work, then they will pay. You know, You're right. The I mean, the challenge is for people with uh, critical illness policy. Right. You know, so that's the biggest challenge for them. I mean, for them to prove that you know, because there's something called TPD, which is total permanent disability right and uh, as a long you don't know how long this long exactly 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 and then the area i I mean it's still new it's still great you know and there's i mean there's still not one definition i mean for covid Mm. you know so it's not necessarily defined as a critical illness then exactly yes exactly but then but then for you i mean as a claimant you have to prove that you are permanently disabled you Mm. And that's a very difficult to prove, you know, because it, I mean mm. the, the doctors are still are still kind of like dealing with this issue, and and with the sufferers, I mean they all don't have the same symptoms, mm. you know. So I think that's a challenge also, you know, kind of like it's very difficult to say, oh, this is long COVID you know, because people, I mean, present themselves with different symptoms, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a general one, kind of like you're tired. I mean, you struggle to, uh, I mean, breathe and all this stuff, you know. But I mean, some other people have much worse, you know. So I spoke to um, someone, you know, um, called uh, Nicola Mitchell, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, she um, uh, was the source, I mean, for, uh, I mean, the stories. I mean, she put a claim, uh, I mean, to Abiva. But the claim was declined, because, I mean, mm. as far as um, Abiva concerned, she couldn't prove, I mean, she couldn't provide any medical evidence, uh, I mean, to show that she's permanently disabled. Even, yeah. though she, even though she had terrible, terrible illness, I mean, she had poor eyesight, I mean, she struggled to breathe, she had problems with her kidney, you mm. know, her lungs, you know, so, so many problems. But, I mean, as um, um, Abiva was saying, and then the other thing also, I mean, um, she, I mean, used to be a journalist, you know? so right. I mean, according to Aviva, I mean, because uh, she's very vocal online, you know, she writes so much stuff online. Right. So, so they're saying, I mean, you can you still make that, money. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you can still do your job, you know, so as far as they're concerned, she's not totally permanently disabled, you know. So I Is that to... in case, like, because she might get better, she might make a full recovery, yeah. they just don't know. Is that what they're saying? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, so but is that not they... the same with, sorry, I was just going to say, is that not the same with like some types of cancer? So you yeah. don't know whether you're going to go into remission or not? No, but cancer is different, you know. I think cancer is different with this, I mean, with this TPD. I mean, I mean, like for cancer, they have data, you know. I mean, cancer has been around for a very long time, you know. Mm. And so, for them, so I this mean, is just COVID is like because years, of you know, a so. la lack of data that they're not willing yes. to... Kind of like a hard scientific uh, okay. evidence to show that you know this when you have this I mean long COVID, I mean but it's a permanent you know, I mean and that's the word permanent. But why can't they compare it to other respiratory diseases? Because <laughs> yeah, it's a Why can't they? <laughs> I'm sorry. I look at me in interrogating you as if you're a viva. Um, no, but again, I, mean, I think I think that sounds good. But I mean for the insurers, I mean they just won't be. Easy route out, you know. I mean, they have this thing, you know. I mean, it's like, but it's gonna prove. I mean, that I mean, this is permanent. Then that's yeah. it. You know, so. I d so, I don't so know I if I can it. say like anyone's the bad guy in this situation because it is like you're saying we are in. It's a relatively new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it does feel like it's kind of scummy that this poor woman is su suffering. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, she is a journalist and she can work online. But if you're experiencing a flare up on a certain day, that means you might not be able to make a deadline and then you don't get that money. Then what? You'd have no fallback plan. No, um, indeed, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that was a very I mean, sad story. And, and I spoke to, I mean, uh, people in the I mean, sector, uh, I mean, spoke to doctors also, you know. But I think, mm. I mean, that's a challenge, you know. So, uh, I mean, they're still working on, you know, getting this data, you know. Had data, you know. So I think, I mean, I said the next maybe 10, 10, I mean, 10, 15 years. Maybe okay. Data, you know, so. 10, 15. <laughs> I know, poor woman. <laughs> you know, so. I feel like in 15 years, there'll have been another pandemic with some other okay. thing, and we'll be back <laughs> to square one doing this all over again. But anyway. Um, yeah, that's a very good point you raise, you know. And that's what I also ask also the sector, you know, kind of like, I mean, are you ready, you know, for the next pandemic, you know? In yeah. terms of helping people out of stuff, you know. So yeah, but you want to find out. I mean, yeah, when you, <laughs> in the June magazine, yeah, it's all covered. Yeah. Jeez. Well, something to look out for, I guess, and something to keep following to see if there's any change within the insurance sector when it comes to covering patients with long COVID. Because I know, like, with 
um, you know, like U.S. medical insurance, they also are finding it difficult to cover people who say that they have long COVID because to them, they're like, we don't really know if it's a thing. Some people recover pretty quickly. Um, and some people just don't. Uh, so when it comes to like get covering their medical bills, even, which is something, thankfully, we don't have to think about in this country. But in America, they do have to think about that. Some people can't even get those um, medical bills covered by their insurance, which, ugh, yeah, it's scary. State welfare um, element here as well. You know, what does it mean for our welfare system in this country mm. like, as soon as she she can claim on benefits right she as she claim on pip on the yeah, on PIP, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah 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 i mean yeah, obviously it's not the same it doesn't touch the sides i imagine but yeah i mean in these years to come how much more is the state gonna have to pay out for exactly for and that's a good point also, that's a good point also you guys i mean maria because i mean i mean i mean she said i mean has i mean as part of the pip you know assessment you know mm-hmm. was Kind of like um, you, you know, check whether I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, she can go back to work, mm. and and then the medical, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, team of, of the people, you know, uh, said her condition is permanently, so she was declared disabled and permanently, you know, I mean, unfit to work. Mm. But I think the insurance have, have a different criteria, you know, I mean, from the people. You know, so. Yes, that misalignment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, yeah, it's horrible, that's isn't it? It's not fair. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think I will be interested to read that and probably look into seeing, you know, what improvements and hopefully there are improvements and some compromises made um, for people who suffer from long COVID. Um, what about you, Maria? What is there to look out for in June? What columnists do we have coming up? <laughs> well, I wrote a column this month. Um, <gasps> Yay! And <okay. laughs> um, I wrote a column about sales pressure in the industry, um, and it was following on from uh, one of the financial advisor to be diary entries that we had from a um, aspiring advisor, and mm-hmm. um, saying, well, basically, she said that she she was she. Was, she was quitting becoming an advisor and one of the main reasons being she felt this big sales pressure and that just really shocked me because I don't know call me naive I just thought that was a thing of the past um so mm. yeah delved slightly more into it and, and basically the conclusion was we just can't let that kind of thing be putting off new recruits because obviously the industry desperately needs new blood to survive so um yeah, yeah just a little piece on that and then amanda who's not here today but she's done some really great pieces um really interesting little piece actually on team building and bonding post-pandemic and how mm-hmm. you know your, your usual bonding experiences with your employees you know chats around the water cooler and even just pop into the pub after work it's yeah. just not really happening anymore so mm-hmm. there is some really practical tips in that um and also a really in-depth really good piece on how lifelong renting can be made more compatible with retirement saving and um, oh. so we see more people are finding themselves having to rent for longer mm-hmm. um, a lot of older people are ending up not owning their own homes um so there's a really big question there big problem there that needs to be solved in the next few years um so yeah, take a look. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I like 
this sales thing, I think I could relate to that because I remember being a graduate and coming out of school and like all of the graduate roles that were kind of advertised to me were sales roles. And I was just like, I know my personality. I'm not a salesperson. But if I had gone Why into something, I don't if someone tells me no, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I respect your boundaries. I'm not going to push. <laughs> What about you, Lois? Are you a salesperson? No. <laughs> what would you, come <laughs> you sell your articles. You do. You do. Um, but what? Sell us your articles for June. Well, you should definitely read my June MM Meets with Tracy ah. Vigro because it's probably the best thing you'll ever read in your life. <laughs> no, but it's very from good. The May cover feature, obviously. <laughs> um. Yes. Well. Yes. <laughs> no, sorry. Anyway, um, I wrote the MM Meets for the June issue. It's it's a very good one with Tracy Vegro from um, CISI, the mm. Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment, which I thought was called CISI, which sounds very close to CSI. If you, if you say it quickly, you just get tripped up and you end up just saying CSI. <laughs> yeah, but it is it's CISI, um, and she. She's interested. So she um, just celebrated six months as CEO when I interviewed her, which was back in, I think, wait, what month are we in? Oh, I can't even remember when I did the interview, but I did it in the spring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so she said that she had. So by joining CISI, she'd sort of done the full gamut, as in she's worked in policy. She's worked in regulation. And wow. now she's working for a professional body. So she's sort of got the whole, I mean, it wasn't always in pure financial services role. Okay. She did um, the law regulator. I can't remember what it's called. But um, yeah, so she has some very interesting experience to bring to CISI. And she said her main thing was that she wants to, because um, I think it's become, she said it's sort of they're working to make it more relevant and she wants to continue that work um, so that she said young people but just new advisors stay in the sector for life. So mm-hmm. it was it was oh, an well, interesting. I, I saw that like they've partnered up with Next Gen, kind of I guess in that vein to try and get that young. Yeah, blood. Next Gen's got a lot of young blood connections. Yeah, <laughs> makes it sound like some kind of gang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of does. <laughs> it's like a rap group, Young Blood. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about you, Darius? What are you looking forward to coming out in June or what you, what did you cover for June? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, well, Mark and I um, uh, covered MMI leads uh, for the uh, Meg. So, yeah, uh, that was it was nice as well. You know, I was actually there and I could see, you know, reporting it for being a, an eyewitness of the entire event. So, yeah, that mm-hmm. was fun. There's, there's a lot of, um, you know, interesting speakers throughout the day and a lot of different uh, topics covered so yeah that was uh, uh that was definitely interesting uh for me one speaker spoke who stood out who ironically was the last speaker of the day was uh dr lisa lovedell gormson who's yes. senior yes. advisor of the fca and uh yeah she had a, she had a lot to say um and just to start she's uh personally pursuing litigation against uh meta or formerly Facebook, but she did want to make clear that, you know, she's doing that, not the FCA. That is, that's something that she's doing individually. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just thought she, um, yeah, she's a really interesting talk and uh, she spoke about sort of the explosion of AI and saying like um, uh, the amount of companies using AI is like more than doubled. Like it's gone from like uh, 
around from 30 percent to 70 percent and mm-hmm. you know it's just you know it's, it's clearly um you know uh, a, you know a growing trend and uh again to sort of talk about uh big tech um she also said you know the uh the VFCA's role, you know, is is not to you know regulate big tech models that don't really fall under its sort of regulation purview. Um, so they are sort of separate to you know what VFCA is doing. But she'd say one point she says big tech firms are very good at um, taking advantage of like the mass amount of data they have a control yeah. of or they use. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought she was. I, I thought like, you know, the, the, the whole day was interesting. But yeah, I would say she. Um, she definitely sort of stood out as a as a as an interesting um, speaker. But yeah, this, as I said, Mike and I was like about the entire day, which included a lot more um, uh, people's opinions on different matters uh, for yeah. the day. So yeah, I do wonder though, her saying like we're not really we we don't delve into big tech and we're not getting involved in regulating big tech because we don't see that being a thing right now. Shouldn't they be thinking about ways in which, like, being forward thinking in the same yeah. way that they didn't see, they didn't foresee, like, crypto scams and all of the things that are now happening that they have to try and, um, after the fact, fix. retrospectively <laughs> try and, you know, help and stop people and tell, you know, putting out ads telling people not to think that investment is gambling and all of that, or it's a game or whatever. Um, I, I, yeah, because I mean, what if criticizing um, them? Because Amazon, yeah. Amazon launched that home insurance comparison site. Yeah. What if they launched like their own insurance offering? Surely that would fall under the FCA's remit. Yeah. And they would need to regulate that. I think it's always good to have an eye out for the possibility of big tech. Like she's she's personally suing Meta. Meta is going to keep putting its hands and lots of different pies that will make it money. And financial services, they haven't figured out how that will make them money yet, but I'm sure they're trying to find a way, whether yeah. that's buying another company or something. Uh, that will. That is one yeah. of the things that um, some people I spoke to, though, when I wrote my cover feature, just to bring back to that, back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things they said was um, that big tech companies might be a bit put off, like, coming fully into financial services because of how heavily regulated it is in the UK. Right. But then another point, which I think it was Ian McKenna made, was if they can sort of abide by all the regulations in the UK, they can mm. probably do it anywhere in the world because I think the UK is renowned for having very stringent, stringent yeah. regulations. So they might use the UK as a test bed. You never know. Oh, we'll see watch this space maybe we just predicted something um but it was amazing talking to you guys um again for this end of month podcast and even though we were missing amanda and michael who has flown off to portugal um i was still not together amanda's doing her amanda's doing her amanda's doing her own thing with her family and michael is with his girlfriend so (laughs) two separate holidays that are happening right now but um yeah i really enjoyed speaking to you all yeah it was great thank you kim that was great thank you yeah thanks kim